lob it up to Rudy, put it down. Mitchell three. Yes! The rookie comes alive! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hashtag Jazz. I almost forgot the name of this podcast. <laughs> so, wow. Let, let's you know what kind of day this has been for me. <laughs> it, it's been a long day. It's been a long week, but it's been a good week for the Jazz. Just keep winning. Everything's just been great. Nothing really bad has happened so far. I need to knock on some wood really quickly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the worst thing was that Memphis game, which was just ugly, but we won. To be expected. Yeah. I I guess the only other thing is that Ricky Rubio might be beat up a little bit. Um, He had a a minor hip injury, which the Jazz are going to be playing in about an hour and a half. So right about when we end this podcast, the Jazz will be playing Portland. So might not be the best timing for recording, but... We'll see. Yeah, but, I mean, how often do we play on a Sunday? Not too often. We never play Sunday home games that I'm aware of. I know, and I still, I'm still, i still convinced that plenty of people would go. I think they could mo- mostly fill the arena, if not completely. Yeah, totally. I mean, I mean in this state, yes, we're, we're, we're uh, dominated by the LDS faith, but... At the end of the day, most men in the LDS church are going home and watching football or making an excuse to skip out on church to go watch football. <laughs> yeah, it depends if they can make the same excuse to get out of the house. That's that's the tricky part is getting out of the house. And yeah, but to if you just turn it into a family outing, then, they, you know, you can't say no. Yeah. But I, I've always made the argument when people bring up, I saw somebody bring up like maybe potentially having an NFL franchise or just like a football franchise. I think they were talking about the XFL, like go to Utah. And it's like, no, like Utah, you yeah. could fill, you could fill the stadium once on a Sunday, maybe, maybe a couple times a season, but like weekly. No. Mm, yeah. There's it's still, it's still too much Mormon dominated here. Do we still have our arena football team? I don't think so. Um, okay. Because it shut down. Yes. I, I don't think it started back up. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that should be enough proof right there. Whereas the Jazz have been here for a very long time. They'll be here for a long time, too. They'll be here forever and ever. And they are definitely yeah. a, a major part of the community. Absolutely. Which, did you see that uh, Gail Miller sold fans i did see that uh and i mean i've never really been well, i don't really follow that a whole lot i wasn't i mean fans isn't a huge part of my life so i it was kind of like oh, oh yeah that that happened yeah um, i know some people i've been seeing around i occasionally would see on on twitter people like outside of utah always struggled to get merchandise they they couldn't get jerseys and things like that outside of Utah, which I mean I wouldn't know much about. If I ever wanted jazz apparel, I'd just walk to the nearest store. Right. But well, that's the beauty of online shopping. Yeah, well even online, like they wouldn't be able to get it. Like they couldn't get it in stock. Like when they came out with hmm. the city jerseys, like they sold out really quick in the online stores. And so, like, it was almost impossible to get apparel. So, huh. I don't know. It's just a whole, whole crazy thing. Jazz are trying to smooth things out with their fan base that isn't in Utah, which they're getting better at, or even outside the yeah. Salt Lake City area. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> But, All I know is, is I want ahead. some of those city jersey shorts. I want city those shorts. Jersey. Well, you can get the shorts. I'll get the jersey, and we can we can mix and match. Because I, I think we mentioned this last week. I like the top half, and you like the bottom half. Yeah. I, well, like I said, they've warmed. They've I've warmed up to them, but um, I can't fill out a jersey like they can. So I'm not even going to pretend to try. <laughs> Also, yellow on a redhead does not look that great, so I'll stay away. 
Yeah, I guess. I don't know. You just wear a hat or a headband. Something okay. to cover that up. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so uh, kind of speaking of outside Salt Lake City, uh, we had a couple of members of the Jazz get traded. Obviously, I mean, if you're listening to this, you already know about it. Otherwise, um, I'll just tell you Rodney Hood and Joe Johnson are no longer on the team. Um, which, I don't know, if, did you see the video? There's a little girl who cried when her dad told her that Joe Johnson got traded. I didn't see that video. I heard about it, though. It it makes you hurt inside. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I like Joe Johnson. I think mo- most fans liked Joe Johnson. And obviously he hit that game-winning shot, which basically immortalized him. At least, I don't know about immortalized, but it it gave him a place in Utah. And... I think all of us want to see him do well the rest of his career, but I guess that little girl, it was Joe was probably her favorite player, and she took it really hard. Aw. So. Young fandom. That's awesome. But uh, Joe Ingles actually saw the video, and uh, he got her a, a new jersey. It was, and it actually, she he let her choose it and it ended up being a Joe Ingles jersey. So it's a nice little oh. heartwarming story. Nice. Did you see the guy that was on Anesthesia? Yeah, I saw that one too. <laughs> that was great. He had he had the same thought about Derrick Rose that you did. Yeah, <laughs> except yeah. it was a, it was a little more hilarious. Yeah, I I wish I was drugged up for that for sure. <laughs> that was the worst time to have surgery, right in the middle of the trade deadline, because everything happened within like an hour. Because I was beginning to think the Jazz aren't going to trade anybody. It was like, I see, it happened at ten o'clock our time. No. What time was the trade deadline? It was one o'clock. Sorry. So it was it was probably around ten or eleven o'clock. And it was just like I don't think the Jazz are gonna trade anybody. And then I actually took and was kind of taking a nap on and off for about an hour, just laying in my bed. And I checked Twitter, and eventually I saw that the Jazz made a trade and saw a lot of the other trades as well. And I was like, well, it happened. Got it done. And you know, I, I think it was a good thing that we that we were able to trade Rodney Hood. I think we would have liked to get more back, but I think with the the trade market, you know, you don't always get what you want back. Like nobody got what they wanted for Ennis Cantor, but I think this is kind of a similar situation that we talked about last week. It was kind of addition by subtraction. And we just smooth out the roster and try and make everything fit better, which I think we did. We got a roster that fits better now. Yeah, yeah, we got we got a system guy, and that is only going to be good for us. Um, I, I I don't expect him to be blowing up the stat sheet anytime soon, if ever. But he's that good role guy where he fits into a system well. He you know he he had great years in Boston, went to Cleveland and was not the same not because of lack of interest in the game but just because it's not a system that works for him yeah i i think definitely with cleveland it's very it was very much kind of a a talent-based thing where you have a lot of talented guys you get them to work together it's all kind of held together by lebron james i mean last year was held together by lebron james Kyrie irving and in boston it was very much a system brad stevens system um, and, and Jay Crowder fit right into that, and I think he can do the same thing, or at least I hope he does the same thing in Utah, because if he doesn't, then this trade's not really going to be worth it at all, because that's basically all we got. We got Derrick Rose, Jay Crowder, and I think we got the right to swap second-round picks like six years from now. So, Is that you know, far out? It it might be a little sooner. I, I want to say I saw the date was 2024, but... I think I saw it written down once, so huh. I I could be very wrong on that. But it's basically something that you don't really care about. It's swapping second round picks. You know, it's <laughs> it's not going to change anything. Yeah, for sure. But it, you know, picking him up that um, we got him on a really cheap contract. That's what was it like seven point eight for the second year of his contract that we picked up. So he's a cheap contract. We freed up money getting rid of Rodney so that someone else can deal with the headache of 
signing him for 17, 18,000 or not 18,000, 18 million a year. Um, and then buying out or waiving, I guess, uh, Derek Rose's contract. I mean, you know, we said uh, with the trade, we would know exactly what was going to happen, or we knew the path that the Jazz were going to take, whatever uh, uh, decision was made. And getting Jay Crowder I, tells me we're fo- they're focused on uh, long term, loading us up in the in uh, free agency or um, the draft period next year. Yeah, and I do think that Jay could be a long-term because he's like 27. Like like you mentioned the, the contract. We've got him for, I think, two years after this year on an average of a little under $8 bucks. Right. And and for a guy of his caliber, that's like when we signed Joe Johnson initially. It was you know a different kind of player, but that kind of role player, come off the bench, he does his thing, and we got him for, I think it was $14 million or $15 million over two years. Like, that was a steal compared to when you saw guys like Luol Deng got this enormous contract, which, you know, Los Angeles is dealing with that. Um, Solomon Hill, who was another guy that the Jazz were looking at signing, he signed a big contract. And we got a guy on a, on a, on a pretty good deal. And I think that just speaks to the management of the Jazz, that they're able to get all these really good deals for players, and they're smart with their money, and they're getting good value out of their guys. And it just shows... <laughs> I really like what Dennis Lindsay's doing. Again, I was wondering if I was going to end up disagreeing with one of his deals at this trade deadline, and I still have yet to find something that I can truly criticize him over other than a couple of you know, mistakes that he's made in the draft, which every GM makes. So. Yeah. We're only human, so it happens. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think we did want to go over the – do a little in-memoriam – for the careers of Rodney Hood and Joe Johnson, at least in Utah. Obviously, Joe Johnson has now played for, what is this, five teams? I'm looking at all the teams. He played for Atlanta, Brooklyn, Phoenix, Utah, Boston, uh, Miami. Technically, he was on the Kings, and now he's going to be in Houston. He's going to play out the rest of the season in Houston. Is that that official now? I believe, like, there was a story that came out that said that like even before he was actually officially released by the Kings, uh, it came out saying that Joe had committed to playing with the Rockets when he got released by the Kings, and I think he got released this morning, uh, officially. Huh. But anyway, with with Joe, I mean, really, what it comes down to for him is it all came down to that shot in Los Angeles. Like I mean, in in his two seasons. He started 17 games. He played 110, and he averaged 8.6 points. Nothing special. No, but it does round out the it does round out the roster, and as much as putting points up, and um, you know, obviously, it was it was cool to watch him, especially um, leading up to the playoffs, where he just started turning it on, like he was. Vintage Joe Johnson leading into the playoffs, and then in the playoffs he saved us. I don't know how many times. Not just, not even just that one game. Yeah, it's just amazing. The you'd put him in late game. He'd come in usually in instead of Derek Favors. Oh, last year Derek Favors was hurt a lot, so that wasn't too uncommon. And he would just be that go-to guy. You'd think that Gordon Hayward would have been that go-to guy, or George Hill, but no, they gave the ball to Joe Johnson. They'd isolate him in the post or whatever he'd want to do, and then he would just score. No matter how it happened, you knew he was going to score. That ball was going in the bucket. I think that's that's just going to be one of the things I remember Joe for is that when he put up those shots, the ball was going in. That's just you know, that's, that's really what I'll remember him most for is, is those isolation shots, that ISO Joe. What he's been known for his whole career, really. Right, exactly. I mean, I I can't remember. I'm going back through my mind here, but I remember during the playoffs after he hit that buzzer buzzer beater to take game one in L.A. They were saying that he is the because of that shot, he had become like the all time uh, buzzer beating player, something like that. I I'd have to go back and look, but. I just remember seeing that in the playoffs, and I was just like, wow, that's incredible. <clears throat> yeah, and I think when you look over the last few years, 
um, he's been really the Jazz's most clutch player. And we haven't had a whole lot of clutch players here in Utah. I mean, you'd have to go back to, like, the John Stockton days. I mean, maybe, I don't remember much about Darren Williams and, and Carlos Boozer. I didn't watch a whole lot of them because I was still kind of a young Jazz fan, didn't have the right TV channels. So I didn't really get to see a whole lot of what clutch Darren Williams or Carlos Boozer or Paul Millsap or any of them. But for me, I think Joe Johnson is probably the most clutch player that we've had that I can remember because we didn't get that from really anybody. We got good production out of a lot of guys, but they never showed that clutch gene that Joe Johnson was able to show that we got, even, you know, even though he was a bench player for us. He was still able to show a lot of, a lot of clutchness. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, Hornacek was always reliable. Uh, I I thought about making a joke about Greg Ostertag, but I'll not do that. <laughs> yeah, see, but you have to like go all the way back to the Stockton Malone days, where you get clutch play out of those guys. Oh no, no, no! There's one more. There's more recently. Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap. Yeah, he he did have a few good shots. Paul Millsap was no bullshit. He would he wouldn't back down from anybody. I mean, I go back to that Miami Heat game. I can't remember what season it was, but we were down. Uh, well, I think we were down like 15 points, and he just scored 16. He had like three threes in a row, and then he gets a rebound to put it back in the hoop with the buzzer to send the game to overtime. And then in overtime, he just kept it rolling. It was insane. Wasn't that the year where we had like? a bunch of games in a row that we were down big and on the road and came back and won. I want to say it was I, I that th- year. I think so. Yeah. And I think it was, it was like that year it was the 2010, 2011 year where everything kind of changed with Darren leaving and Jerry leaving and all that. Just... Was it, was it that year or was it the, was the, did Darren leave the year after that one? It, it's either one. It, it might've been the year after that. It, it was either the 2009-2010 or the 2010-2011 season. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, yeah, it's like we've, we've had some guys who have had clutch performances. Like I said, Paul Millsap and even Trey Burke had a few clutch performances when he was here. <laughs> That's so weird saying that. <laughs> yeah. Remember that three against the Orlando Magic right in the corner? Yeah. But, but yeah I think Joe was one guy that we were able to go to consistently. Um, and maybe Paul Millsap as well. Again, I... I didn't start watching Paul Millsap consistently, mostly because of TV availability, until the last couple of years he was with Utah. Yeah. So. You say your TV availability. I I remember the days when I could just turn on Channel 14 here in the, in the, in the state of Utah on KJazz and just watch every single jazz game. And then it was like 2002 or 2003, all of a sudden the big cable network comes in and was like, Okay, we're buying the rights to all the jazz games. Yes, that's how it was because I I remember being able to do that. I'd turn on KJazz and I'd be able to watch the games. Like that that was like the beginning of my love of basketball. And then I couldn't anymore because it was on like Root Sports or whatever it went for the first little while. And so that's why I I couldn't watch the games even though I'd follow them, you know, try and follow every game. I'd listen to a lot of them on the radio. Um, Yeah, me too. I don't know why why this has happened. And while we're on the subject, Whatever happened to the app that they were supposedly going to launch at the beginning of the season so that people that don't have the expensive cable and satellite packages could watch the Jazz games? Where is that? I I didn't even really hear about <laughs> that. I think I deleted the Utah Jazz app from off my phone because it sucked. Oh, yeah. The, the app is terrible. But there was supposed to be... A, I don't know if it was supposed to be a part of the Jazz app or if it was its own thing. But I remember that they were, um, they were touting this app as like a way for people that can't afford to do it, uh, a way to watch the jazz games without having to pay for their expensive TV packages. And then they said, like, I think it was a week or two into the season, they came out with a story saying that um, it had been pushed back, had been delayed for some reason, probably because performance issues. So it's just weird that we haven't heard a damn thing about it. 
I know I like that. Although I've I've found ways to to watch the the games anyway. So I there's a cable <laughs> service up here at Utah State that you can get if you live on campus. So I've I've been able to watch the games, but yeah, it's only been the last couple of years where you know, and I'll be watching the game later tonight. Hopefully, we can get a win. But it's gonna be tough without Ricky. Yeah, that's the thing. If there was going to be a game where the, the streak ends, it would probably be this game. Just because it's got to end at some point. And <laughs> watch the, 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 we'll end up winning the game by like 30 points and all have said that. But <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's a tall order, man. CJ McCollum and uh, Damian Lillard are no joke. Yeah, Especially definitely. he put up, what, 50 points in three quarters not two nights ago? Yeah. So we'll have to find a way to stop him, although they're basically the only two players on that team who can do diddly jack, but they can do a lot. So that's carried them quite a bit. But Yeah, totally. I I mean, every game this this win streak has been a test, to be sure. Um, but I think, like you said, if there's any game that uh, snaps the win streak, it is this one. This one's going to be the biggest test. This is going to be... I think you'll see Donovan more as your uh, facilitator in this game than he ever has before. Um, and Raul Neto is going to get plenty of playing time tonight. Yep. Maybe we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll see Jay Crowder. I I think they were saying he might play tonight. And I haven't heard anything confirmed. Because they were talking about have, having everybody pass the – physicals and whatnot throughout the entire three-team deal, although Rodney Hood and George Hill played tonight or this earlier today. So I think that Jay Crowder can play as long as he's healthy and available, which so far as I know he is. Yeah, it says, so, right, he, you're expected to be available. Okay. We'll see him tonight. We will absolutely see him tonight. Good stuff. Jay Crowder, 25 points. All right, let's go. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. That's but, yeah, that's we'll one see. thing I'm interested to see with all this is how quickly will he be able to um, assimilate himself into the system. I know that um, he and Brad Stevens are both system coaches, and um, like I talked, like I mentioned before, Jay Crowder is a system player. So I don't. I mean, I'm not expecting him to pick it up right for right the first game, but um, I'm sure that there are some similarities he can draw from uh, Quinn Quinn's system as he could from Stevens' system. So, Yeah. So we'll hopefully be able to see a lot of good stuff from him. But uh, before we go too on, I wanted to talk a little bit about Rodney Hood. We did the in-memoriam for Joe Johnson, and you know his, his stint was pretty short, just the two seasons, although it seemed like a lot happened. Rodney Hood, though, really up and down for him. Because, I mean, first off, he came into the league, he was, what, drafted 23rd? 23rd overall. And so, you know, as a, as a late first-round pick, there's that kind of, you know, the, the, you have potential, but nobody's really expecting too much out of you. Like, you should be able to be a starter, but if you end up being a bust, nobody really cares because it's the late first round. You know, people can only really expect so much. They only expect a lot out of maybe the lottery picks or even like the top eight picks in the draft. But Rodney really quickly became a, a good player for the Jazz. I mean, in his second season, he played 79 games and started every single one of them. And he averaged 14.5 points per game. And so it was, it was like everyone was thinking, we found this gem in the back end of the first round. And then last year he was injured a lot. He only played 59 games, and he averaged under 13 points per game. And then this year, he's been really up and down the entire season. One game scoring five points, the other game scoring 30 points. And I think that really defines the the Rodney Hood, uh, the Rodney Hood show in Utah is just frustrating inconsistency, which sounds a lot like C.J. Miles, just that that amazing potential yet he was never really able to fully capitalize on it 
to become a scorer because we were hoping that he would be the the replacement in terms of scoring for Gordon Hayward. But he's only able to average just under 17 points per game. And he was inconsistent at putting up those 17 points per game. Like, it didn't ever feel like he scored 17 points in an actual game. It was either he scored 25 or 11. He never actually really was around his average. Yeah, yeah, it was all over the place. I, I, it's, I, I, I wish I could say definitively what it was. I mean, nobody really knows except for, you know, Quinn Snyder and the other guys on the team. And Rodney Hood will probably never say anything uh, bad about anything, which expectedly so. But my, on top of the inconsistencies, when he got hurt, man, he nursed that crap like you wouldn't believe. I mean, I was it this season where he injured his ankle or his calf muscle or whatever, and he has to be helped off the court. He was like uh, held by, I think it was like Derek Favors or somebody else, and he was just carried off of the court into the locker room by two teammates. Like, come on, dude. He was he's kind of he's got a, a softy in that sense. Like if I if I screw up my ankle, I'm gonna try and tighten up my shoe and keep playing, man. I'm not gonna or at least get myself off of the court. Like if you have a broken leg, obviously you're gonna have a stretcher come out. I'll look at Gordon Hayward, but if you could get yourself up off the court, get yourself up off the court. Yeah, I I think this again just yeah the injuries the. Uh... A little bit of softness, cause yeah, he did. He did always stay out long too. Like he would, he wouldn't come back immediately. Yeah. Um. I, and the Utah Jazz, we have such a great medical staff too, and I'm I can guarantee you that there were plenty of days where this most recent stretch of Rodney being out, we're like, you're good to play, and it was probably just him going, oh no, I want to be 100. percent like, suck it up, dude. Uh, Gordon Monson mentioned something that was um, worth repeating. Is He's like, you know, the Jazz are built on this foundation of tough guys. We've had nothing but tough guys. Carl Malone was a tough guy. John Stockton, Matt Harpering. Uh, you you go down the list. It's you, you are a tough guy to play. You have to be a tough guy to play for the Utah Jazz. And that goes, that goes all the way up till now. Um, Paul Millsap, another tough guy. Dude would get hurt, and he'd go out and keep playing. He he was laboring, but he'd still play. And same thing with Derek Favors. Derek Favors will play even when he's not 100% right, unless he absolutely can't play. Yeah, and I think you look at Rudy Gobert, too. Every time he's injured, I mean, with the one exception, kind of the the two times he's rolled his knee, they, they I think the Jazz held him out until he was 100%. Because, I mean, the, last, the first time he did it, he came back like a week and a half early. Right. Nobody was expecting him, and all of a sudden he's like, "I'm ready to go, everybody." And then he played, and then he got his knee rolled up again. So they had to, they had to hold him out a little longer. But yeah, yeah he he was probably saying, "Look, I'm ready. I can play." But they probably just held him out. So there is that thing with Rodney, and I know I, I've been listening to some of the coverage around Rodney Hood. Um, as people describe the trade, and they're like, you know. You know, there's this spin on it that Rodney Hood, that the Jazz are letting this diamond go with Rodney Hood. And, and I like Rodney, and I we, we've talked about this before. We mentioned some of these things that we didn't like about Rodney, but overall he's a good talent. But still, you know, my one line is, there's a reason we traded the guy. We're a team that's trying to rebuild around Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, and we traded away a 25-year-old averaging 17 points per game. There's a reason we traded him. Ultimately, it comes down to that. So, I mean, when when you say that Utah gave away Rodney Hood, they gave him away because they wanted to. Well, and I think it was also he wanted to be traded, too. Um, what was it, last week he even said he kind of expected to be traded? Yeah, I, I think I saw that. Yeah, I mean, this is this is something... Even this season, man, I just, you know, the, the passion always seemed to kind of come and go for him this season. I didn't really ever see him be all too committed to the team in most aspects. And, the, and I, go, I go back to this recent stint of him sitting on the bench with the injury. I don't, 
I, I really just think he was nursing it for all it was worth because he he expected to be traded and he wanted to be traded. Yeah, and, and I think it's good for him. I mean, and again, I'm happy for him in Cleveland. I watched him, and I, I wasn't rooting for him to miss all of his shots, and he did pretty well today, and um, I hope he does fine. In fact, there's there's a, a tweet I saw where this guy said uh, he, he had a thought where Rodney Hood will very likely be playing in the NBA Finals, and he said the thought made him happy, and I agreed with that. I'd be fine to see Rodney Hood in the Finals, you know, Doing well, kind of like when I saw Richard Jefferson in the finals. You know, I'll, I'll be happy. I'll be well, sort of happy with George Hill. I don't know. I just something about George Hill kind of sticks in my mouth, but just I like George Hill. Yeah, in, in the end, I still do kind of like George Hill, but I, I'm still a little kind of bitter. I, I feel like he should have stayed, but in the end, I'm happy for Rodney Hood. I'm happy for Joe Johnson. I think even though those two guys, they didn't fit, maybe they both of them I don't think wanted to be here. I mean, they were talking about a buyout for Joe Johnson before he was traded even. And so I think in the end, this was just the best move for all parties involved. Rodney Hood and Joe Johnson get new homes. The Jazz get a new player. They get a system guy who can fit in with their roster, make this roster better. And everyone goes home happy. And I think that's the ideal situation for a trade. When you talk about teams winning and losing trades, this is the best situation because literally everyone has won so far as we can tell right now. I mean, there's obviously a lot of basketball to be played the rest of the season, and you know we'll continue to talk about how these trades went maybe a year or two down the road. But this is a trade where everything, for the most part, again, as far as we can tell, has ended happily. And that's about all you can ask for. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I still, I still wish nothing for the best for Rodney Hood, but um, when he plays us, I expect him to lose. Um, Joe Johnson, I, I know we, we talked about it before. I'm glad that he's going to be going somewhere that he can legitimately contend for a title, and that's that would be a really awesome thing for him to do to end his career because he doesn't have many more years. If if he even makes it to next season, I mean, even towards the end of next season. <clears throat> yeah, I think if he does play next season, it'll be his last. Yeah, yeah for sure. And I feel the same way with Derrick Rose. I, I'm so happy he is not playing here. That scared the crap out of me, man. I, I don't want someone who can't even decide whether he likes basketball or not to be playing on our basketball team. That's not That's not okay with me. And to me, a guy like that should probably retire, or he just needs to make up his mind. Because if you're, yeah, if you're debating whether or not you want to play basketball, it's probably time to retire. I've seen guys, uh, mostly I've seen it in football, where they'll be in the prime of their career and they say, "Well, I'm done." And they ask him why, they say it's not fun anymore, and so they quit. And I think if if you're in that situation where you're not sure if you should continue playing, then maybe you should just quit. If you're not having fun. Why are you doing it? And right. I, I guess getting paid is nice, but you know, I don't know if anybody's going to want want to hand him another big paycheck if he's going to randomly skip out on you because he can't figure out if he wants to play basketball or not. Yeah, absolutely. I, he's not worth the money. He's not the same player he was in his MVP year. He hasn't been for years. Um, he's just not going to. He's not going to produce at the levels that people expect him to. And I, and I, I don't care who the general manager is of what team, nobody's going to really take a chance on him for big money when he hasn't been the same player since that injury. Like that's just, there's no world in which he will ever be a star ever again. Yeah. It makes me sad. Cause I always liked Derek Rose and I was really disappointed when his career just went downhill because I, I liked him. I was I was happy when he won MVP, even though I he probably didn't deserve it, but at least over LeBron James that year. But you know, he, he's a really exciting player. He was Russell Westbrook before Russell Westbrook was, you know, doing his thing. Wasn't necessarily getting the triple doubles, but he was a really athletic point guard. But yeah, he's not that anymore, and so that's just that's just the way it goes. So, 
one other question, because um, obviously we talk about buyouts with Joe Johnson. There's other players being bought out. And perhaps one of the questions is whether or not the Jazz should look into trying to sign players in the buyout market. Get like a, you know, a half season rental, or maybe sign a guy to a one or, or like a two year contract or something like that, to maybe get somebody for the playoff push. And you'd think we'd look for a wing player because when you look at it, we have what five or six healthy wings on this roster. Maybe we've got Alec Burks, Donovan Mitchell, Royce O'Neal, Joe Ingles, and Jay Crowder, like. That's pretty much all of our healthy wing players right now. We're expecting Dante Exum back in, well, like a month or so. I keep hearing like March, kind of mid-March, I think is one thing I saw get reported. So I'm wondering, there's gonna, there's a possibility of different wings being released or bought out. I mean, some of them have already been signed. There's Marco Bellinelli who got bought out and I think signed with the um, the 76ers. Yeah. But I was I looked up some guys who might potentially be bought out, and there's this one article. The guys they listed off as possible buyouts, there's guys like Shabazz Muhammad, Vince Carter, Corey Brewer. be kind of iffy on that one. Tony Allen, Aaron Aflalo, um Luol Deng, probably a long shot with Luol Deng. Um, yeah, he's another old guy you don't want. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, he's well, these... he's he's well past productive years. Yeah, that's the most of these guys aren't really going to do much at all. Sorry again, there's people making a lot of noise. I don't know if you can hear them in the background. They're having a party back here. It's a college dorm. But. I mean, you think of Shabazz Muhammad. He's had some productive time. He's just managed to, you know, work his way completely out of the rotation in Minnesota. I'm I'm not sure what happened there. I, I don't follow Minnesota, so I don't know why. But again, most of these guys are old, past their prime, past their production days. But it's a wonder maybe if you're able to get them in here, have a guy who can bring in an extra five or six points per game, fill out the roster a little bit and see what they can do. Um, what position is he? Which, who? Shabazz. Uh, he's a shooting guard. He's like 6'6 six, oh. six shooting guard, I think. Huh. The Jazz actually technically drafted him, uh, but they traded him in... Um, I forget his name. He was like a power forward center. Uh, he was part of the trade where Jazz got Trey Burke. Um so hmm. he never he never played for the Jazz, but it was one of those draft day things. Hmm. And he actually had a a pretty good game against the Jazz a while back. It was a kind of a revenge game where he scored like twenty seven points. And that was a time where he was doing pretty well, but now just mysteriously no longer plays. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder what that's about. Is it well? Because he could be—he's a good viable option coming off the bench. I mean, I know you got Jimmy Butler and uh, Andrew Wiggins as your two and three, but I think in the past uh, I've heard of work ethic problems, attitude problems that might have something to do with it. Maybe he doesn't play defense. His head coach is Tom Thibodeau. Yeah. So hmm. again, I don't follow the Timberwolves, so I don't know why there might be a legitimate reason, or maybe they're just as confused as I am as to why he's not doing anything. But I do wonder with yeah. a few of these guys, maybe the Jazz take a stab at one of them. They're not a contender, so they're not going to be the first pick of some of these guys. But Marco Bellinelli signed with the 76ers. So, and we're like pretty much on the same level as Philadelphia in terms of likelihood to contend. The only, the only reason Philly would be higher is because they're in the East. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, the East is really never all that competitive. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't I don't really think that that is um, an avenue that Dennis Lindsay pursues. I really think that he is set on what he has. Um, the, he got the piece that he wanted. He gave two pieces that wanted to go to better spots. Um, obviously not moving favors was 
him saying we're dedicated to Derek Favors at least for this season. So, I mean, like I said, we've even talked about it before, where Dennis Lindsay makes the majority of his moves um, around draft day. Um, you know, he he's very crafty in the packages he gives other teams or what he gets back from te- other teams as well. I mean, we got Rudy, we got Donovan through that. So I don't I don't see I don't see the Jazz making a move on that because um, whether or not we're pursuing the playoffs at this point is you know kind of throw that out of the window because um, we have solid foundation and I really think that the next step in improving this roster comes from draft day. Yeah, I, I kind of agree that's a bit of a long shot. I was just. I was playing around in my mind, hoping, but I I do agree that probably the best move will be around draft day, and that the buyout is kind of a a short term option that can maybe burn you later. I don't know; it wouldn't burn you that bad, but yeah, Dennis does strike me, and probably you as well, as the very cautious, deliberate type, um, and similar to San Antonio in that a lot of their mid season acquisitions are. You know, kind of two-way contract, lower-level players. They try where they're trying to find the diamond in the rough, essentially. Mm-hmm. Kind of the way that Dennis has found guys like Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal, Raul Neto. Um, yeah, but it, it it's a thought to entertain. Um, like no, said, absolutely. It, it, it'll be a long shot, but I think it it would be nice to see if Shabazz Muhammad could come in and provide a kick of scoring, although. Maybe they just can expect that from Alec Burks or Dante Exum. So. Yeah, I don't know. There's still um, – I don't know if you were listening to um, Bowler Jack and those guys just kind of interviewing him during the broadcast on the, on the last game, but he was saying that, you know, we're fully committed to Dante Exum and they're still excited about him. He even said himself that – he thought that Dante Exum was the best player in uh, the summer league for them. Um, so they're fully committed to Dante Exum. And reading or listening between the lines, I guess I should say, um, was him talking about how they asked him about Ricky Rubio and what they thought of um, if there was a switch that went off or anything. And they were like, you know, maybe it was, maybe it is a, a different understanding. I mean, a player of, of his caliber is able to make the offense run properly, and some people it takes a little while for them to figure it out. And uh, to me, when I, I can't remember what it was said, but what I heard later on in that conversation was that they're they're committed to Ricky Rubio. I think Ricky will be here for a while. So that is interesting because, I mean – it's almost a, a contradiction because I feel like you can't be committed to Dante Exum and Ricky Rubio at the same time. Because I mentioned this several times, I'm looking forward to the day where we can have the, the Dante Exum, Donovan Mitchell backcourt. But so long as Ricky Rubio is under the age of like 33, I don't know how old he is right now, he'll be a starting point guard in the NBA. He's yeah. gonna find He's going to find somewhere to be a starting point guard just because he has the NBA skill set that like it's an NBA skill set that is valuable in this league. So I, that is actually an interesting thing to hear. Um, but if he continues to be able to produce, I think right now he's playing a little over his head. He's, he did this earlier this year and then he regressed back to the norm. But if he's able to find a way to produce points as a point guard then yeah sure you know he's he's really helping the jazz right now in this win streak he's probably the biggest key to this win streak right now uh, more so than anybody else so if he continues to play well then i'd be happy to have ricky around you know as yeah, long as he'll have would, us. would you see him as like a would you see him as like kind of a mentor for dante except because he's already been mentoring donovan mitchell in this uh this season uh, kind of like a passing of the torch type deal. That would be a really nice thing, especially because I think one of Dante Exum's weak points is his distribution. Uh, he's not so much a a great passer. 
Um, he's still, and he, and he and Exum is still so raw. Uh, there's so many skills I'd love to see him increase. But I do think, yeah, just that, especially when you look at Rubio, how savvy he is, being able to pass that on to uh, Exum. And Rubio might have passed some of that on to Mitchell because you see that in Mitchell too, just that, that's that savvy nature, the the ability to to see things, and if Dante can learn that too, then you know, uh, I I'd be willing to keep Ricky around if he can do that as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a it's a cool situation for them to be in. I wouldn't say it's um, a bad situation, but. It's a cool situation for them to be in because you've got someone who has been in the league for so long. It's it's unreal to think that Ricky Rubio has been in the league for as long as he has um, to kind of help Donovan and even Dante when he comes back just kind of make their games, uh, polish their games up a little bit. Um, Donovan, you know, we obviously see it all the time. The dude can score. And he's picking up these tendencies of passing that he sees these things in his periphery that is just phenomenal. So I really think that, uh, you know, Ricky could really teach Exum how to do those things is kind of second nature for sure. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know now that <laughs> now you got me thinking about this, you're kind of like, yeah, maybe they, maybe they shouldn't go too long-term on Ricky. But then again, I mean, I, I don't know what Dennis Lindsay's thinking in his head about any of this. Well, it's it's going to be a really fine line. It's kind of like when, really when you have any sort of start and you're trying to transition into a younger player, it's always going to be tricky because you're going to have the veteran who's going to want to keep starting because he's a good player. Mm-hmm. But And you want to try and get him to mentor the younger player and you want to try and let that veteran player go at the right time. Don't let him go too early where you strand your, your young player because Exum's not ready to start right now. I mean, he struggled when he started, uh, like, he struggled, uh, he had a chance to start, I think it was his first year. Yeah, it was his rookie year. He started a, a fair number of games. But he's not ready to start, so you want to hold on to Ricky Rubio, but then you don't want to hang on to Ricky Rubio too long to where you don't, you know, you aren't able to hang on to Dante Exum and you lose some of his prime years um, to being a backup. So it's it's a very fine line that Dennis Clint is going to have to walk, and it'll be very interesting to see how he handles it because we've we've praised pretty much most of what he's done outside of a few draft day gaffes. This could be one of the most important decisions that he makes is that transition from Ricky Rubio to Dante Exum or transition to whoever comes. I hope it's Exum because I'd like to see him come forward and, and be a star. But it's if if he messes this up, it could ruin the whole rebuild. And so there's a lot of pressure on Dennis Lindsay right now. Because I, th- I think the point guard position is really important in the Quinn Snyder system. And that we need to make sure we get this right. Or we'll just basically end up hitting our ceiling the same way we did with Gordon Hayward. We hit a ceiling and then we had to start over. So. Yeah. Um, I don't know... I don't know if you can necessarily call it a rebuild because we only really lost two or three pieces. Um, He's even been quoted saying it's more of a pivot. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it is a precarious position because this this upcoming offseason and draft day is definitely make or break for this team going forward. Yeah, so... We'll see. So far, everything looks pretty good. I mean, you know, we've we've got some pieces, um, but again, moving forward, and again, uh, we'll probably go ahead and wrap it up for the most part for this episode. But uh, we're gonna talk. I want to talk a lot about Ricky Rubio next week, um, and we'll be talking about how just how important he is to this franchise right now, or at least this season so far, and a little more on why. Kind of explain why you know, I mentioned that. The point guard is so important in the Quinn Snyder uh, system. We'll talk a lot about that next week with some of the trends that, that I've noticed uh, with point guards for the Jazz. But so far, so good. Everything's keeping up. And hopefully the Jazz will get a win tonight and keep the streak going. If they don't, then 
we'll have to start a new one. But. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can't sustain a, a win streak forever. Um, that's just the way the NBA works. But um, it, the most interesting thing will be if we do lose tonight, I hope we don't, is how do we bounce back? That's what that's what I want to see. I want to see how we respond to a loss. Yeah, and, and see, there's so many things for this team to learn. Like you said, responding to a loss after you've had a win streak. They're experiencing the win streak. How do they respond afterward? And I, th- I think that's a really excellent point there. Is you got to go through all the different things that happen to you. You go through a losing streak. How do you bounce back from that? Or a horrible stretch like we did in December. You know, experience both the highs and lows of the NBA season. Yeah. Pretty good experience all around. But anyway, last thoughts? Um, I hope that Raul Neto shuts down Damian Lillard tonight. I It's wishful thinking. I don't, he's not going to shut him down. Just make it difficult for a big guy. Yeah, just always, just always be hounding him. But you know what? That's the thing that Neto does best is just hounding people, that hounding defense. Keep a hand on their shorts. Just basically make him know that you're there. So <laughs> do, do a Lance Stevenson and blow into his ear. <laughs> <laughs> just anything. Anything possible to get in his head so he doesn't put up another fifty in three quarters. Yeah. Don't don't do that. Don't let that happen. Alright. Well, That'll be it for us here on Hashtag Jazz. We didn't introduce ourselves, but you know what? It'll be in the description. But I'm Jason Walker. You know who I am. It's, it's somebody. <laughs> it's somebody. Maybe you'll find out. Maybe read the description and stuff. It's anyway, a mystery guest. Thanks so much for listening, everybody.